cannabis is medicine. And it's awesome. Then let's push the envelope on a bunch of issues. If you have something that has that is able to grow in nature and it exists on its own, every single component allows it to be what it is right now. So the intuitively, on, it, right? Intuitively. So if you have the entourage effect, and I know a lot of people poo-poo it. They say it's called pseudoscience, but why does it not make sense to you that the plant as a whole? would be work better or be more efficient or be be what you want as opposed to just one of its pieces the sum of the parts is is always less is always more rather than the individuals are most pharmaceuticals that way when they get them from like these plants in the amazon or do they just take a little piece of it that's my business and i'll tell you this oh, well. i don't know what they're doing yeah, in big pharmaceuticals. I, I yeah. honestly, they 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 do these billion dollar experiments. I really have no idea. I don't think that any any there's no pharmacological uh, uh, pills or tinctures or anything that's coming out right now that resembles what we have in the cannabis plant. It's completely different mind concept. You you're trying to create something to decrease the blood pressure. So you're you're doing all these major experiments, and they're pinpointing one small chemical that's doing this stuff. The cannabis plant is is much more intriguing. It's, right out of the ground, without it, any it's nonsense. It's coming right out of the ground. Yeah. It's got it's to me, it, it's it's an amazing, amazing amalgam of an enormous amount of components that have incredible medical effects that we cannot experiment with. We cannot prove with papers. We just can't do anything because it has been relegated to Schedule 1. Well, Frank, uh, today's special guest is, uh, she specializes in the development of cannabis extract treatments. Does she really? For seriously ill patients. This is the real deal, Doc. We've got a real, real guest today, and I'm very excited about it. I'm going to shut the microphone off, Ron, because... I look forward to that, too, Doc, as does our audience. We, I'm we, getting inundated with tweets and all kinds of stuff right we, now. We spoke earlier to her, and I, you can introduce her, but we spoke earlier, and I realized that... I'm kind of out of my league right now. Well, forget forget all the medical training I had and all the patient sites. This is the real. This thing. one does know a lot about cannabis, and we're very interested. This to learn one more. This one. This one right here. She uh, also co-founded Aunt Zelda's Therapeutics. Correct. Aunt Zelda's. Well, Aunt why, Zelda's. You why don't you introduce her first? Everyone, this is Mara Gordon. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mara. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about what uh, Anzelda's actually now, is. Before we get to that, uh oh, here we go. She is it true? <laughs> is it true that this is Zelda Fitzgerald from uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife? No, 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 okay. no. But but good shot. I'm done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please <laughs> tell us free. what Zelda's all about. I'm going to take about. this stuff off now. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what Anzelda's is all about. Um, Ann Zeldes is a, uh, basically a company that I started back almost about six and a half years ago, almost seven years ago, to try to uh, figure out the dosing conundrum. When I got into this industry, there was no way to dose accurately. There was no lab testing back then. It was, you had, it was people mom and pop in their kitchens. And I was thinking, well, I can do better. I'm a process engineer. And in order to do that, I have to have 
under, well-understood medicines to treat patients and start collecting the data and looking at it. So from that, uh, we grew Aunt Zelda's, and we've been treating patients for many, many years. I have um, also have a group of doctors and nurses who are working with us through Calispring Wellness, which because they can't work for a company that touches the plant. And uh, we've been they're trained in the endocannabinoid system. They've been working with us for years, and they see our patients. Zelda Therapeutics, without the ant, mm. is a company I have out of Australia, and we're funding preclinical and clinical research around the world. And we're doing studies. Awesome. Which is the doc and I often talk about on the show, one of the problems with cannabis is the dosing issue. And that, A, when people do do edibles, they overdose or they take too much because they don't realize what they're taking. And we've, we've had many instances and many examples on the show where they buy a brownie, it says 100 milligrams or whatever, and they take part of it. It's never accurate. Have you found that to be the case? Absolutely. The reason we're called Aunt Zelda's, to go back to that, to, to tie it into this. To antagonize is, them. Go ahead. Is, because that's, a, it's, cause that's her aunt. Well, it is. <laughs> and when we first started, I was looking for a vehicle for our oil, and I found my Aunt Zelda's carrot cake recipe. Oh. And Look it at was. This. Now it's coming together. Oh, yeah. Coming together. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. So, my Aunt Zelda's carrot cake recipe that uses lots of oil. So, we started out putting our oil in the carrot cake, and we found that when, anytime you have an edible, you are not going to have accuracy in dosing. And it's also not scalable. And a very smart person said to me, um, stop building everybody a house and just supply them the lumber. And so it made a lot of sense. So we just make the oil and you take it. Um, because we only work with very seriously ill people, um, we don't have any kind of a wink-wink recreational medical part of to it. Um, edibles are really not the way that we recommend that people uh, medicate. You know, because of, because of the inaccuracy, the limited bioavailability, etc. Do you have any other relatives who have made any type of food products that, you've that, named <laughs> that you would think of possibly using some of the oils in? My father. What's his name? Fabulous Frank. See, now you're just encouraging. See, now you're poking the bear. Oh, my father. It feels good. Thank you. Yeah. My Thank father you. invented Fabulous Frank, uh, Fabulous Frank cheesecake on a stick. And you can medicate cheesecake. Have you? No. <laughs> is hey, there there's a, an elevator that goes all the way to the top. Can we go on it? No. 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 So, so, but why not? Because I, I think that it's important that people know what's exactly how to dose, and you can't do that when you put so it in you, food. So you use mostly tinctures and things. And it's all infused oils infused or extracts, oils. yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Which is oh, the real oh, serious oh, medical oh, side of this. Let's go back to the carrot cake then. So, so you're not putting the oil in the carrot cake. You've never no. made any of that stuff. Absolutely made it for the first several months. Right. And then we realized that it wasn't that as this accurate. Is not, this, is, this is not what you want to do. Right. You want to be able to actually give accurate dosing so you, so you can actually treat this like medicine. This isn't Because yes. if all the oil goes to one side of the pan, you have absolutely no idea if you, one side of the pan is going to be more. Precisely. Have, have, okay. I, She's doing exactly right. what we've talked about from day one. Yeah, but she, figured it, out own, it but she figured it out on her own. I mean, she yeah. had to figure it out. First, she started like everybody else does. I'm going to put it into this food. Yeah. And then realize, well, this isn't really medicine. This is not right. what I'm doing. It's I'm not, not candy. Right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not this is not right. right. I'm actually I'm actually minimizing right. the the power of the, of the plant by actually doing stuff like this. Like one of the problems that I have is this whole concept of calling something recreational cannabis. You know, even if you're using cannabis for the THC effect for the high, you're still getting the CBD. 
So are you still getting the medicine, the, the potential medicine and the combination of the THC and the CBD? Wait a minute. Did you just say the CBD is the medicine Straight and the THC no, is no, not? No, 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 no. What I'm saying <laughs> yeah. is is that even if you're using it for this THC effect, mm-hmm. you're still getting the medicinal benefit of it. The combination of the THC, the CBD, the CBN, the CBC, the terpenes, the flavonoids, all that stuff. You're getting all that stuff. So even if you're looking for it, if you're using it for the high that you're getting with the THC, you're still getting the medicine. You're still so. How do you call it straight recreational? Straight straight out. Tell me how wrong you is. Go ahead, please. Is that am I wrong on this? You're not wrong. I would say it's more of a lateral move. It's a side move, and right. that is that you know there's over eleven thousand different chemovars now that are out there, and quite a lot of them have no CBD in them at all, um, and so you can be recreating with cannabis and not be getting any CBD and just be getting THC. And the reality is the vast majority of the recreational products are made in with a process that eliminates everything except for the major cannabinoids. And then they put in artificial terpenes. Okay. Are there still medicinal benefits in the products where there are no CBD whatsoever and you're using them THC? You're using them theoretically for recreational purposes are you not getting the medicinal benefits from using the THC? 100%. Well, then how do you call it recreational if it's medicinal? One of my specializations is pediatric cancer, okay. for example. Right. Um, I work with people that would rather, and, and, and the vast majority of our patients do not have any interest in actually feeling the medicine and having it um, alter them in any way. Um, which is, of course, always one of the th- the obstacles to people using cannabis is they say they don't want to get high, they don't want to feel like they it's can't. It's almost a downside imagine. in that. It know, is. Right. It's it's a side benefit, side effect, depending on what side you right. want. If you're topo, you, you want really it. want it. If you're exactly, right. I understand exactly. But um, it absolutely is medicinal. The problem is uh, when people are using it recreationally, they're rarely using it in a way that's the optimally beneficial for them. Instead, they're using it for more for the quick high. Right, but even suboptimally, they're still getting the medicine. 100% agree with you. So how do you call it recreational? If you it's still about get, intention. You know, it's I, about intention. No, I get that, but you, but the side effect is the medicine. See, I, I, I just find that any time you call something recreational, especially cannabis, when you're still getting the medicinal benefit of it, you're doing a disservice to the plant by even calling it recreational because you're still getting the benefits. We don't know... Even though you're getting the side effect or the, the 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 intentional benefit of getting elevated, your body is still absorbing these chemicals that are essentially prolonging your life and healing you and all these kind of things. So to call something recreational to me does an enormous disservice to the plant. I don't necessarily agree with you on that, well, um, and tell I me think why. because I, for example, okay. um, I live in the middle of wine country. And we people, like most people do. Well, he and doesn't. So um, people that have a glass of wine at the end of the day to relax, that's a medicinal, but if they're using it recreationally, their intention around using it is, oh, I've had a long day. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to chill. Somebody else might say, oh, I've had a long day. I'm going to chill. I'm going to smoke a joint or take a, smoke a bowl or, you know, whatever, eat a brownie. It's about the intention on it versus somebody who says, I have this 
uh, morbidity, this diagnosis, and I'm going to look at how my endocannabinoid system works and how I'm going to treat it and which cannabinoids and which terpene combinations are going to be best for this disease, and I don't really care how it makes me feel. I care about how it's affecting my body. They're, in so, fact, going so, away so, from the field. So you're saying that it, it's, at the end of the day, if somebody has a glass of wine, mm -hmm. that is medicinal or recreational it's recreational but you could say to them from the argument of the same thing about the cannabis yeah they're going to um, use it recreationally but there's a medical benefit you could say yeah there's esters it's better for your right. health to right. have red wine whatever right. it's still not being used because a doctor's not going to prescribe it to you you're not going to be taking it as directed you're going to be taking well, it a as you want to take cannabis right now either in California, right? Right. You can't right. Prescribe, right, right. I mean, they're trying right. to do that in Pennsylvania where they're, they're actually trying to make doctors give right. dosages and, and all that kind right. of stuff. But at this particular point, you doctor's not writing, writing a prescription for cannabis. Well, so they're writing just a recommendation letter for you to self-medicate. And then they come to people like us. Right. Right. Isn't okay. part of the difference between recreational and medicinal dosage? It's, all, it's about dosage and intention and the purpose of why you're using it. Um, and when somebody's using something medicinally, they're following a set of directions and they're following it accordingly and they're validating it with, let's say, if it's, if it's cancer, you have scans and cancer markers and things like that to validate if it's working or not. If it's, if you're, or if it's, if it's insomnia, you can look at it and see how many hours of sleep are you off your Ambien or uh, Lunesta, etc. If it's recreational, the measurements aren't there the same way. Other than, did you have a good time? Well, yes and no, but remember, January 1st, the recreational market opens. Mm -hmm. So the same people who right now are getting recommendation letters in order to get their cannabis, to, in order to go to sleep, are now going to say, no, I'm going to use the recreational method of getting this. The same thing, I'm still going to use it for sleep, but they're calling it recreational. That's a product. That's saying a recreational product. I'm talking about somebody using it recreationally. That's not the same thing. The product is is neither. The product She's is talking the product. about fun to go to no, a well, rush well, show well, versus no, wait a second. They have cancer. Come January 1st, there are going to be recreational dispensaries. Mm -hmm. That's is that a product? If I if if all of a no, sudden No, so, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if a person goes to a dispensary in, after January right. and they get their medicine, and I don't care if they get it from a recreational dispensary or a medical dispensary, right. but once they have that medicine, they use it for a medical purpose versus using it to just get high, then it's a me they're using it medically. So the I'm still confused because in January, if the same person who is seeing me right now for, rec for, a, for a recommendation letter for cannabis so that they can access the dispensaries, because that's the only dispensaries we're right now. All of a sudden, you know what? I'm going to go to the same dispensary because now it's a recreational dispensary. I'll pay the higher taxes. I'm still going to use it the exact same way, but it is now recreational. I mean, they're not changing what they're using it for. So let me ask you a question. Do you Please, because I want to know this. Do, I, you, do, you, do you truly believe of the people that are getting the 215 recommendations right now just because that's required that they're all actually using it medically? No, but I do believe they're getting the medical benefits. I, I completely agree with you on that. 100% agree with you. So that's why I don't that's why I don't like the term recreational because they're still getting the medical benefits. When somebody comes to me and they say I'm sick, help me. Right. Or they come to one another and they say we're sick, I'm help help me. We go through a 300 point 
uh, data point intake process. And we work with them. We look at their medical and we look at their scans. We look at their blood work. We look at the comorbidities. We look at all the family histories. When you go to a, uh, somebody that says, boy, I'm exhausted. I need something to, you know, uh, ramp me up or something, or I don't want to take uh, whatever. I just want to get high. Then they can go get a dispensary and go get whatever they want. They're not going to come to somebody like us. They're going to go to more of a recreational where they're going to ask the guy behind the counter, what do you use? Well, we got a sale on Blue Dream and they're right. going to buy Blue Dream. Right. People don't buy my products based on price or you know what the bud tender recommended. They buy them based upon the lab results and whether they're going to be the appropriate one for what we're treating. Now, you, now you're dealing with not a wide range of patients. You're, you're dealing with a specific group of patients who are really sick. Yes. All right. That is not the most common reason why people use cannabis in California. I mean, you know that. I mean, absolutely. We we just did a study uh, that we're getting ready to publish. Uh, Seventy five hundred patients. People are not using it for ALS. They're not using it for dementia. They're not using it for uh, very very uh, uh, hunting in Korea, which mm-hmm. is really sick people. These are mm-hmm. very very sick people. I'm sure these are the people that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. 50% are using it for sleep. 50, 40% are using it for anxiety. Pain. I mean, that you know, some version of pain. And pain is actually like four or five on the list based upon the stuff we just did with UCLA. So that's not the majority. I mean, you're seeing a very, very specific group of patients absolutely. who are absolutely sick. Absolutely. I completely agree. And here's what my theory of what's going to happen in January. Um, I think what's going to happen is there's a lot of people who have been uh, – uh, resistant to getting the medical card, getting the 215, um, because they, under some misconception that they're going to end up on some uh, roster somewhere. And so they have said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. But once they don't have to do that and they just have to show their driver's license and be 21, it's going to open up a lot of people who are going to start using it and saying, I'll pay the surcharge so that I don't have to register. For anywhere. anonymity. For anonymity, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, that's which my ma- theory. Which makes no sense because... There, there are no, and with the lights People go out. People don't know. And then the lights go out in Georgia, uh, which makes sense because every conversation that a doctor has with the patient is covered by HIPAA. You can't release yeah, People don't know that. And because of the whole feds thing that we always scare people with the feds, people are still nervous about that. No, I get it. But, I mean, I get this question all the time. I can't release this. I can't tell people you have diabetes. Hey, Mara, let me ask you this. Let's move forward with what you're doing here. Talk about how you actually uh, test your products and how you... Uh, how they're pure and clean and that kind of thing. How's that work versus if we go to the dispensary where Topo goes down the street here? Okay. Um, what we do is we have people who grow specifically for us, and uh, we test their flower. We homogenize the flower sample, and we send it in for testing. Um, we happen to use, we've tried a lot of the labs, and the one that we find to be the most accurate is the... Uh, Sonoma Lab Works um, up in Santa Rosa. And we send in the sample. We then will concentrate some of it to see how, like, for example, it might show clean for mycotoxins, aflatoxins, you know, heavy metals, etc. But once it's concentrated down, it might appear. So we'll go ahead and do a test sample. Once we have a, the, the fact that the flower is clear, we understand the profile, we'll go ahead and, let's say, for example, that we um, take 50 pounds of ACDC or some particular flower, let's just say. We then will run multiple 
uh, eight pound batches of it and each batch will be individually tested. Some of it will go into infused oil. When it does, that gets tested. When some of it goes into extract, that gets tested. What are you testing for, like molds and pesticides? All or? of that, but once we test that in the in the flour and in the first concentration, we know that we don't have to do that again. But we do test for the terpenes and cannabinoids over and over again so that the only way that you can accurately dose is if you know specifically what's in the medicine. You know, if you just have a vague idea, and what I see a lot out in the, the world right now is people are testing um, and then they're putting that same lab result on multiple batches or multiple things and it's not accurate because when then we independently test them again the numbers don't match and why that matters is if you have somebody who's on a very specific therapeutic dose for a serious illness um, they need to know that their lab results actually match the medicine that they have um, I can tell you just a very quickly one story no, if you're interested please okay I had a I had a patient who came to us and she was very excited because um, she uh, independently lab tested our medicine at a lab that I won't mention and they showed up uh, I believe it was either 15 or 16 milligrams per gram um, uh, higher excuse me percentage higher than we did on our test results and she's like I want to buy all this up to give to my three-year-old for her brain tumor because I will get more bang for my buck I'll be able to be cheaper you know all that. And I said, but that's not the result. That's not accurate. It's an inaccurate lab result. And uh, she's like, oh, no, they did it. So we were di ran it again, and we did this. And, the, and as it turned out, we were right. The other lab was scamming. It's one of these that sells its THC numbers to get higher. And um, I said to her, I said, okay, let's say you had done that. You would have thought you were giving her 300 milligrams, for example, and you would have been giving her more like 200 milligrams. And that is dangerous when you're dealing with serious diseases. And why can't the DEA, for real, speak with someone like yourself? Because you could give a, the right angle on this. Right. I was just invited to D.C. Um, to go and do some That's uh, the District meetings. of Columbia. District of Columbia. For the, for the audience. Yeah, Capitol Hill. Right. Um, I'll be going there. Um, on a Thursday. Uh, in November. Okay. And um, I will be speaking with various congressmen and uh, see what we can do. Because the work we're doing is I wrote an article I was asked to write for the American Bar Association spring journal that they did, the sci-tech sci journal that they did on uh, marijuana, they call it, and um, really outlining the industry and what's wrong with it and our obstacles and, and what's working. And also our vision for cannabis as medicine because what I really want is I don't there's no such thing as a cannabis doctor. You're a doctor and cannabis is a medicine. I tell That's people it. all the time that people say right. you're a pot doctor. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Right. Yeah, right. I'm not a pot doctor. Right. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Right. So Please. what 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 we say is what I what I, my goal is to have cannabis just be part of the toolbox of the doctor so that when you open up your PDR, it also is going to have, you know, somebody has a certain, you know, ICD-10 code on their diagnosis. Associated with that will be these pharmaceuticals and maybe some cannabigirol with a little bit of limonene thrown in. And so that they'll say, oh, okay, this is an option. And if I do that, I could lower the dose on this pharmaceutical because of the cytochrome pre-450 or whatever the doctors should know how to do. And we've enabled that. Um, I've built an EMR and designed it that we've been building that we've uh, work for doctors so that a doctor doesn't have to be an expert in this but that they still can include cannabis in their treatment protocols for their patients because you know i mean it's just pathetic i mean i was at this thing today 
with these wonderful, wonderful people, and I was listening to them and the drugs that they're taking for things that cannabis, it's a no-brainer. It's a, I mean, some of the things they're taking, have, you know, they were all on sleeping pills. They're all on this. They're all on inflammatory. They all are anti-inflammatory, all these different things, and it's like, you know, we could just eliminate all of those right now with one plant. Hey, you might you, have to use two different now, Hold on, right profiles. now. now your fa- one of your favorite bars in L.A. is a toolbox, but that's in here or there. <laughs> um, well, Congress was just given this uh, a letter recently by uh, uh, Sec- Attorney General Sessions saying, listen, I know that we're going to, in the past, you've, you've, you've handcuffed the Department of Justice for not going after the cannabis industry, especially in states that are legal, but could you please reconsider this? And it came up again just recently, and the Republicans in charge of the Congress said, you know, we're not even going to put this on the floor, we're not even going to talk about it. It expires on September 30th. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're calling it a, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not even going to, they're not even going to allow they're them not, to vote on it. Well, they're, right. they're just going to just take it completely off the table. It's right. unreal. So you're working this hard, and you've got this. That's just hanging out there. I mean, you're meeting with people, you're talking with people, you're you're advancing the science, you're doing everything right. When you know that you're not really playing with an even playing field. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be exasperating. I mean, yeah. I, we don't do that. I'm, we're just watching this stuff and commenting on it, seeing patients, but. I mean, you're in the trenches. Yeah, I was wondering if she could mind speaking a little bit to some of the serious patients that you're dealing with and seeing if you've seen any progress through cannabis helping them with cancer or some of these serious ailments you've mentioned. I can give you, um, obviously we don't only cheat children, not even not even at all, but um, two of the people I was with today, I was with their parents um, and two of the, the two of the boys. One of them has rhabdomyosarcoma, which is a very serious form of cancer. Subtitulopharma. So and it was in his, in his, right on his carotid artery. And um, uh, we started treating him uh, about four and a half years ago now, four years ago. And um, he's been in remission for about three and a half years. He's doing fantastically. He's back in school. The only problems he has, he still is on a maintenance dose because once you stop the cannabis, the problem is without going down another hole, but is the, the, the same uh, deficiencies or, you know, uh, problems with your endocannabinoid system that allowed the cancer to develop in the first place will still exist, so you have to keep giving the cannabis in order to keep it at bay. But uh, the only physical problems he has are those that he has as a result of the radiation chemotherapy, you know, like the neuropathic issues, uh, things like that. Now, the other little boy that I was with today, in fact, I asked the mother, I said, you know, are you private about this? And she says, oh, no, I tell everybody. And she says, in fact, I want you to start using a picture of, of Jackson on, on your website. And uh, he's a little boy who came to us. He had hepatic carcinoma, um, and liver cancer. And uh, the family opted initially to do a liver transplant. And, of course, you know, we all know that you can do a liver transplant, but you're not going to get rid of the disease. You're just going to move it, you know, kick the can down the road. If you believe that cancer is a systemic disease, not a... Not a not Precisely. You can't do you cut believe out that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That's right. Just because yeah. you cut off a woman's breast doesn't mean she doesn't have breast cancer in her exactly. body. Exactly. Exactly. And so, sure enough, it showed up in his lung. And um, so this time the mother said, I'm going to talk to Mara before 
we start chemotherapy because the doctor, the oncologist was like, we have to start chemo. I mean, we have to get really, uh, really are aggressive. Heavy, heavy drugs. We, right. And we have to get very aggressive this time, really mm. go after it because once it metastasizes, you know, it's a much more serious situation. And she said, well, I'm going to call Mara. And she called us and she says, this time I'm ready to start. And I'm like, great. So we started him on the medicine and we were working very carefully because he's on a lot of anti-rejection medicines and it was, you know, with the supervision of one of our doctors. And um, it was several weeks before they were going to be starting the chemotherapy. He went in the, the, uh, the, the end of the week before they were going to start on the Monday to do the scans and the blood work for the, you know, just to make sure that he was healthy enough to give the chemo to and also as a baseline. And lo and behold, there was no more tumor and all of his numbers were normal. Hmm. So the oncologist uh, called the mother and said, I never thought I'd be making this phone call, but um, we're not going to do the chemo and let's just watch this. And that was over two years ago. The kids in school, he played at the Rose Bowl with Coldplay. He's... Uh, he's a very, very, very active kid. He got bar mitzvah in Israel. He's done. I mean, he's a he's a normal, healthy kid using cannabis every day and going to school. Mara, could you could you talk to us a little bit too? Have you found that certain strains, certain terpenes, certain different uh, elements Robust. of cannabis help in different areas? Like I think you spoke about how ADHD, if if somebody that doesn't have that would take it, it would affect them differently than someone who does. Correct. The same way that if a person were to take Adderall or Ritalin that doesn't have ADHD, they would be it would be a speed. <laughs> but if they do have it, it's very calming. You can say the same thing with a lot of the narrow leaf uh, profile uh, plants, which you know are more traditionally called sativa, which right. is kind of a whatever that means. Ish, but the narrow, right. yeah, the narrow uh, leaf plants where you have. Um, the profiles tend to be more towards the um, alpha and beta pinene and, and plants that have a more of a, um, an uplifting daytime. If, if a person who doesn't have any kind of ADHD or doesn't have any kind of, of issues around OCD or even PTSD and all these other disorders, um, which is the D, by the way, then... Um, it might have the exact opposite effect. Like for me, I don't have those things and I have, uh, I'm very much overactivated by them and it makes me feel very jittery and very uncomfortable. And so I stay away from it. On the same hand, um, uh, CBD, where people talk about CBD not having any psychoactivity and that's just not accurate. In your article, you, you nailed it. And that's like what we have found in our practice is, you know, with seeing thousands of patients is that you have one of three responses. You have people who are going to be uh, not feel anything and you have people that are going to be very, very activated by it just the same way they would on something else or somebody that gets very sleepy. Um, now, and the reason for that is besides the fact that everybody's endocannabinoid system is slightly different, you also have the situation where there, because of the entourage effect, it's going to depend which, what the profile of the plant is where you're pulling out the CBD. Um, when you're dealing with uh, types of cancers where you have the ID1 gene, for example, you, we can do a lot more with CBD because of the way that it interrupts the translation of the ID1 gene. So I know this is probably getting too much in the weeds here, but no, you, yeah. he, she he, said he, he loves this. He loves <laughs> no, we, we, we're going to go to the Ask the Doc segment. We skipped yeah. the news because you're just so fantastic. We just skipped through through that. So sorry, Emily. But um, here, Emily. Uh, yeah, she wants me to do the news, but we're oh. not doing the news. Um, <laughs> I do have a question here from a viewer. They have, uh, is it ulcerative? Ulcerative colitis, UC. 
What what do you think about for someone with that? What do you recommend in that? Well, for one thing, we don't stand on one leg and give recommendations on it because there's too many other conditions and there's too many things we need to know. There's five questions that are imperative that you know before you ever start uh, working with it. You need to know, obviously, the diagnosis. It's very important to know the age of the person because... Uh, we have found in our in our research that we've been collecting all this data all these years, the older the patient, the lower the dose. The younger the patient, the higher the dose. Exactly the reverse of what. And we have found that there's zero correlation between milligrams per kilogram. It just there it just doesn't. What does that mean, milligram fit. per kilogram? Um, in, in a lot not of weight based. Yeah, in a lot of pharmaceuticals, oh. they want to say how much do you weigh? Okay, we calculate that oh, at three per, milligrams yeah. per kilo. You're going to take this. There's there's zero zero correlation on that when you look at that on a, on a scale. So that's the first thing. But the, So you have to know the, um, and then you need to know what pharmaceuticals and what supplements this person is taking so that you can see if there's going to be any interactions or things that need to be Now hold on, tried. on this show we say that there hasn't been really any, any interactions with cannabis. It's pretty much safe with well, most no, things. No, is that, that, that not true? No, no. The SS, we, we know the uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, we know that there's some reaction with those. We, that we absolutely know. Everything else at this point hasn't been proven. I mean, there's... Again, Do you have things that you worry about? There are things that we've seen. Like, for example, a paper just came out of Israel, um, I think a couple of days ago, talking about uh, immunotherapy drugs and like how the they are, and, uh, they're, you know, that are being used um, you know, experimentally for treatments that when you take them along with cannabinoids, especially CBD, they do not work as well or the results are not What doesn't work as well? As well the, the, the Humira. The, the Humira. The, the immunotherapy right, and the right. results for the patient. It's like the the actual outcomes. It's in Haaretz if you want to take a look at it. It's actually a, a pretty good um, uh, article on it. I'm, I need to read the study, of course. But for example, I'm going to talk about tamoxifen. Tamoxifen is a very very common drug given to women who are it's a target therapy for women with, with er positive pr positive breast, breast cancer. cancer it's a breast cancer drug its purpose is to um, be an estrogen blocker right and because of the way that it metabolizes through the p450 it may or may not block the production of estrogen so it's very important that when you're taking cbd along with this tamoxifen that your doctor is aware that to check your estrogen levels more regularly to make sure that it's in fact doing its job. There are other targeted drugs you can use instead that may not metabolize that way. So at least it's the, the knowledge is the power for the doctor to maybe try something different. Um, you have people that talk about when they're t using opioids, for example, and they start using cannabis, the opioids seem much stronger, and the reason for that is because of the way they metabolize through the liver. So they immediately will be able to drop their dose in half of the opioids and have the same, approximate the same benefit from it. Hmm. So just to ask the tamoxifen, so the tamoxifen essentially blocks, right, the estrogen receptors. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yes. So you want to do multi more frequent follow-ups in order to, if you're using CBD, in order to do what? The estrogen is not going to change. The estrogen levels are going to be the same. Correct? You want to make sure that it's actually blocking the production of estrogen. And how do you test that? I mean, can you. Uh, you're the doctor. Yeah, but I don't know how, that, how you test for. Yeah, no, you're the doctor. I am the doctor, but how do you test whether tamoxifen is blocking the. Well, you I actually want to know. I, mean, I, I don't even know this. I'm well, an orthopedic spine surgeon. Right. You, you test the, the hormonal levels. That's a blood test. Right, but so you check the hormonal level, but that's not going to tell whether the the tamoxifen is blocking the receptors. Well, if there's estrogen present that's being produced and you're taking something to block its production, it well, you're, block, you're blocking the receptor. You're not blocking the production. 
Right. Right. You're still going to produce the estrogen. You got to block. So it's, it's like a catcher's mitt. Right. Right. The estrogen still is coming in, coming in, coming in. You right. can have all the estrogen you want. You're blocking it where it actually hits the hits the. And targets. now you're completely out of my pay grade. Okay. That's okay. when I send it over. That's to all he wanted to do. He waited 57 minutes <laughs> to get there. Yeah. So he could feel that he. There you go. I'm well, actually. I'm know, actually. You got her. I actually no. want to know because uh, I, I got patients all the time with breast with breast cancer. Right. Who have estrogen positive. Research. I want to be able to answer these questions. Right. So one of the things that, that that's why I started a medical practice, Cal Spring Wellness, was because I don't want to be the one making these life and death decisions and understanding. I'm not a doctor. I'm an engineer. And I, you know, I'm a process engineer. And I, I mean, I can, I can tell you how to, you know, build most things, but I'm not gonna, one to be able to tell you how to treat the body that way. So I understand the science of the endocannabinoid system. I understand the science of the plant. When it starts getting into the, into how it's interacting with the diseases, I can look at what's going to happen theoretically. And then I need the medical community to be validating this in the molecular biologists. For, for example, we're um, running preclinical research on HER2 positive and triple negative breast cancer right now at Complutense in Spain in Dr. Uh, Cristina Sanchez and Manuel Guzman's lab. Uh, we're funding it through Zelda Therapeutics, and that's what I presented on at Harvard Medical School in April, um, was the results of our, of our in vivo and in vitro studies on that. We're then going to be having validated from the preclinical to be able to validate and to get the permissions to then do the human studies. Oh, but back to the woman with the ulcer, the colitis, what yes, I would please. say is... Um, yeah, don't, just, don't change the subject. I'm, I'm sorry. I just didn't want to leave the, her hanging at that. But one of the things that she can do is she can do a combination of the raw cannabinoid of the THCA or the CBG. With the CBG, cannabigerol works very well on the gut. What we usually do with, with colitis and uh, Crohn's and things like that is we'll do a combination of THC, THCA, and a little bit of CBD. The THCA is the raw, undecarboxylated, unheated. Mm -hmm. And in cases, depending on if they have fissures and things like that, then they'll also use a combination of suppositories. Thank you for answering that because uh, they really wanted to know. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for telling me. I had no idea. Ron, it was great seeing you again. Yeah, so <laughs> <stock>. <laughs> I'll see you uh, one week from today. We'll be here. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Good night.